Right, well, welcome. Straight Jack, episode nine. So every every other week we review three films, one new release, one post-2000 film and one pre-2000 film, all of which share the same theme. This week, this week it was superpowers. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and the new release this week was... Robbie's domain. Robbie. Robbie. Oh yeah. Robo. Take over, please. So this week's new release, my choice was X Men, Apocalypse. Dun dun dun. A really old evil mutant coming back to destroy the world, and it's up to the X Men to stop him. That's as complicated as it gets. You've actually overcomplicated the story, I think. Nice. Yeah. Uh, two and a half hours later, you come out of the cinema feeling destroyed. It's a terrible film. In my opinion, it is one of the worst films I have seen, not just this year, but to date. It's uninspired. To date. To, da- to, to, to date. date. As in, throughout my whole entire Yeah, life no, that's what, I mean, that's what I was emphasising. Because yeah. that's, the amount of films you've seen, that's, that's strong. <laughs> you can't even blame it on bad acting, because the cast list in this film is, is in, my, in my opinion, stunning. Fassbender and McAvoy are great at churning out decent films. It is such a waste of talent. And you've got uh, your Ty Sheridan. I'm not going to talk about Sophie Turner. We can come come on to her later. Jennifer but Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Oscar Isaac. So we can't even blame the acting. No. The only thing I can think to blame it on is this whole, we have to churn out certain superhero films every year to keep the rights to the franchise. It's uninspired. It's unimaginative. I was so indifferent about the story and the characters if there was any exposition in the first two films, I'd seen the first, hadn't seen the second. Had, that's, that's a good point. Had any of us seen? N- no. So is this this is the second in the trilogy, this is the right? Third. Yeah, of this new series. Because, oh, there, is, because there is that joke, isn't there, where Sophie Turner says, hilariously, yeah. the third one's always the worst. I swear she almost looked well, to the camera. When, talk, <laughs> when yeah. talking about Star Wars, is that right? Well, after they walk out of the cinema? I- I don't know, but she said it's always yeah. the worst. And I thought that 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 was it saying, "Oh, this is the, this is the second we we wouldn't be in the in the crappy third film, but they all are." It's a, it's a sorry state of a film, and it is. It made me angry. It was another one that just I walked out seething. Like everyone, you couldn't you couldn't clear a theater quick enough. As soon as those end, end credits hit, everyone walked out, stomping their feet, wondering why they wasted their time and money. On this film, I think I'm maybe more positive or just less negative. I think maybe is a more appropriate damage phrase. limitation. Like it? <laughs> well, uh, give me some of your positives about the film. Oh well, no, sorry, I didn't say there were positives. I just meant I think the I'm lows less... were less low than your lows. Yeah, I just think. So you've already said the car. I mean, the, the cast is fantastic. It's a shame none of them really get to do what we know they're capable of. But I'm sure there are contractual reasons why they are in this film, and. You know, some reasons for, or maybe just from a reputational point of view, Sophie Turner, for example, you know, yes, she's made it on TV with Thrones, but... No, but has she? She's terrible in Game of Thrones. Who watches Game of Thrones and goes, I know, let's get her to put on an American accent and play such an integral role in this film as well. Jean Grey is so important to X-Men lore, and she's on the screen, like, 40% of the time. Yeah. And she just... It's so painful. I know, but... She's the worst thing about it. But that's the studio as well, saying, right, we've got a fantastic... Money make cash cow, not not her literally, but in terms of <laughs> her, you know her reputation. Oh well, if we get someone who's a who's got a real reputation or is on a real hit TV show, then we're going to have even more punters come through the gates and, and and buy a ticket to see this film because they want to see Sansa Stark in a different role, see her differently. Yes, she's awful. But um, that, that's wrong. That's the wrong way that people should be cast for films. 
and I'm, I'm, I'm sure it happens. It's not really on merit. It's not really on ability. It's just right place, right time. But I think in this film there is, and I, I picked it up towards the middle, but actually when I think about it, it, it was really obvious throughout. There really was quite a, a divide between the old elements of the X-Men franchise and now these young newbies that are coming in and presumably are going to be past the baton to take forward <laughs> this franchise on because you look at Ty Sheridan, you think about Sophie Turner, you think about the uh, Cody Schmidt-McPhee as well. Sort of these three <laughs> youngsters. Him. Yeah, these three youngsters who, you know, probably were the best things about um, Sophie Turner, granted, but Ty Sheridan and Cody Schmidt-McPhee, they were, they were as good as they could be in those yeah I mean I would go say Evan Peters who played Quicksilver was he's, my he yeah, was my yeah, only fair, positive I didn't know his name that's fair enough I yeah. thought he was really good and apparently he and I again I haven't seen I'm not a big fan of superhero films I don't think I've seen any other X-Men films but he was the big talking point of the previous film wasn't he uh, there's a fantastic scene a Quicksilver scene um, in the previous film which I haven't seen um, but it's supposed to be sort of the, the only the only redeeming feature in, in the previous film, and they try to do it again in this film. Again, I don't know what the one was in the previous film, but this is him saving everyone yeah, and... because he's so fast, and, and he can do funny things by doing it. And yeah, I, I thought the younger generation of this, who were the, obviously the much less renowned actors, but they were the ones that actually had something to do and maybe brought something a little bit different to it. Ty Sheridan's going to be a star. You can tell he's going to be a star. He's got the looks. He's got the swagger. I think he'll be. He's but great I, in mud. I, he, I think, think he he'll was be. great in this, to be honest. I don't think he could have been great, but, the, but I think he yeah. showed the, the, the glimpse of, of what younger actors like him show before they go his, on to get a real big, big, big film and, and big, big franchise. I think it's only aside, aside from this, his record is, for his age, is absolutely yeah. phenomenal. He's worked with already some of the greatest American authors and has been in, I think his first film was The Tree of Life. I mean, you can't, <laughs> I mean, you can't get any... And then he was really, really good in um, Joe... Uh, the David Gordon Green, Nicolas Cage revival. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, he, yeah, Mars fantastic. Well. Was he in Mars? He was, he was, in Mars. It was, him he was in also Mars, in Dark yeah. Places, which I'm still yet to watch. This isn't something we should linger on, and really, because it. I was I was making comments, making notes half like all the you know all the way through, and I look back at them and I sort of felt ashamed of them. Like it's just, it's just such a waste of. I just feel saying anything about this film is just. I think people should should instinctively should be onto them by now boycott this and kind it's, of film it's, it's absurd I mean it's it's cinema as product and it's it's disgusting and there's no there's nothing and you've got one of the best ensemble casts you're likely to see all year yeah. and they are mere they're dead behind the eyes cardboard cutouts watching Fastbend I swear someone's moving his mouth just with a like a little little puppet there's no fun I, like I yeah. I was not really up for this this isn't my kind of thing at all but I thought you know there might be a couple of goofy bits there might be a couple of laughs but there was just there was no fun not even not even an attempt did anyone laugh did anyone smile or go you know what that was oh he's playing Miss Pac-Man not Pac-Man that's cool that's <laughs> that's interesting there was there was nothing I mean Quicksilver made me Absolutely. chortle a couple of times but it's I mean in two and a half hours you don't want he to was just... obviously put in as the comic the light relief yeah. he yeah. comes in sort of what after the first act and it's kind of okay this guy's around he's adding something a bit fresh and yeah I would say comfortably he was the best thing about Evan Peters you and, know and Nightcrawler as well I think so Cody Schmidt McPhee's blue weird what, with his character. Welsh slash Indian accent I was going to say and, German but and, yeah oh, well, <laughs> so there we go that, that yeah. says it all. but he, I think he had a few one line is where you can sort of recognise that they're trying to be quite funny and to be fair some people in the audience they, they did laugh but this sort of film you're expecting the camaraderie the zingers to, to, mm. to come out especially when you say it's two and a half hours because I think 
I've seen one Marvel film. Uh, sorry, I've seen one Avengers film, and that's what it's really praised for because all the characters have, and actors maybe as well, have really good chemistry. They have really good sort of one-liners that they sort of have a bit of back and forth with, and it's great. This, I didn't get that at all. You think oh. there's so many great characters, so many great actors, sorry. Certainly not many great characters. Um, and you think it's just asking for a really clever bit of dialogue, better, clever bit of back and forth between them all. And there's nothing there. It's, it's an awful lot watching there. England against Iceland. You've got these 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 players who are individually and have got great resumes and they stand there and they all get put on the stage together, the big stage, and they just they can't even they can't even take a corner properly. You've got Roy Hodgson like, telling them what to do. You've got, yeah, say. you've got Brian Singer as Roy Hodgson, just literally floundering around like a magic carp. But when the yeah, the biggest the biggest loss is the Michelin man getting his head severed. Yeah. Uh, on the billboard by a laser when that was the only part of it, oh no like the Michelin man <laughs> and then of course two seconds later it cuts up and in this you know Magneto's brought the world to ruins uh, but of course there's still time for a perfectly like a subliminal kind of futuristic Coca-Cola advert his billboard is completely <laughs> intact as it pans up it's just those little touches yeah. that make it go from being you know what you've just got this one horribly wrong to making it despicable <laughs> and it's just downright it's downright vile from from the get-go um, and yeah have Imhotep from The Mummy as uh, Oscar Isaac's character with his, that voice now I know there's been a, a few contentious voices but his voice was just the most I mean I know he's meant to be evil but it just it was just gross it was just gross there, was, there's, there are no saving graces for this film they should all be put down didn't quite understand what his end goal was really yeah there was no real plot there was no real this is what Oscar Isaac's character is looking to do. Now, there was a very faint idea of, of continuing his legacy, yeah. shall I say, as I sort of flirt around it. But there's it's a bizarre lack of any sort of um, end goal, any sort of destination to this. And But the thing is, you know exactly what's going to happen. You know mm. the way that they try and... That whether it's the score or, or whatever it is, there, there's the dramatic licenses that they take. You know exactly what's going to happen. Mm. There's one moment towards the end, and, and it's not a spoiler, but Magneto, for about half an hour, is literally floating in the air, just throwing rubble around for literally about half an hour until all of a sudden he becomes relevant to the story again. And every now and then they just sort of look up, yeah, he's still there. He's still doing it. He's still doing it. <laughs> and just, he just keeps on... And it's like, I don't understand what, what on earth... They they think that we're watching here. Why why do they think they can get away with just but they, that? They know they can, and that's what really that's what really hurts about this and every and all of them. The whole shebang. This whole this whole get. Some of them are obviously done better than others, and some of them aren't. This is the most like I can't imagine many of them are, are this bad. But it, that's all it is. It's just some of them. The directors are a little smarter. I mean, he's done singers done what five of these now? I think has he? Crikey. I think he's done or at least at least four. Is he the same guy that did the Usual Suspects? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, which is... Just, just wanted to Just to get that, that out. Yeah. I think that's his only real, like, green tick on his resume. Okay. And I mean, what a start. And then, yeah, exactly. And yeah. then you come to this and you just think, yeah, there's just... N- it's just the... Oh. But even down to the little things, like, uh, <clears throat> it's going to sound really pretentious, the deus ex machina, you know, when everyone's in massive, massive danger, and then suddenly someone does something really cool, really awesome, and gets them out of that danger... And you think to yourself, why don't you just do that throughout the whole film? We could have saved ourselves an hour if you guys just did that. There's one particular moment which um, a very famous actor and very famous character from the X-Men franchise is oh. literally has about a five-minute cameo. Mm. And 
And that is such a perfect opportunity to do something really cool with that, yeah. like two, three minutes, however long it is that he's on screen. They are on screen. Um, and it's such a waste. It's so just down the middle, you know, exactly what's happening. Nothing new is happening. There's no fun to it. There's no sort of threat. There's no seriousness towards it. It's just, okay, well, we've got to get him in. Let's quickly put him in. And he gets them out of trouble. But it adds absolutely nothing to absolutely anything other than, you know, the get out of jail, literally the get out of jail free card. Um, would, would kids watch that who are obviously fans absolutely of love it they would, would they it. go oh I'm so glad that yeah. so and so made an appearance is that yeah. is, uh, I we're mean, not the target audience so ultimately can we yeah we can't we can't really we can. review this but, but then you think about all the other film critics that are going to be reviewing it 45 year old males who are reviewing it I mean I don't they're not the target audience so I, I don't know I think we can objectively we're not necessarily going to feel what kids would feel towards this but we can objectively look at it and when you do that it's very difficult to come out anything other than really quite negative. Yeah. I don't think you can isolate its target audience to kids. Superhero films, some of them I like, and some of them I I think are decent standalone films, but this just doesn't doesn't have anything going for it. But yeah. should we, we... We spent more time on it than we should have done put, already. Put them against the wall and just have this over and done <laughs> with. It's idiocracy round two. <laughs> Take them to the glue factory. Um, yeah. But, no, but when you see, the more I think about it, the more you think of that cast. They're not even washed up old actors who are on their final prime. paychuck. They absolute are, prime exactly, actors. You can't really get bigger stars than Michael Fassbender and Jennifer Lawrence at the moment when it comes to male lead and female no. lead. Yeah, you can. Oscar Isaac. Oscar, yeah, <laughs> well, if you can. It's Oscar Isaac. There you go. Absolutely. Across all the age groups and yeah, male and female, like Rose Byrne. Who's doesn't always doesn't always do pick the best projects, but fantastic when when it she's in the right stuff and yeah, just there's there's just nothing, there's nothing. Might as well give up now. Can't yeah, semi fair. Gotta give one. I think you summed up the best by saying it's a waste. It's a waste of talent. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of a franchise. One that does have some potential. It's yeah, it's a one star. For me, I'm, I'm going to give it two stars. Um, and the reason that is I think you can't get a zero can you no no. so I, I think one is basically say it, this is the bottom of the bottom which you two clearly think it is for me it's bad it's really bad but I have seen more worse films it's still I I did l- check my watch a few times but the two and a half hours didn't go as particularly slowly as I know certain other films of, of that length have, have got or even you know shorter have gone it doesn't add anything new to the genre. You know exactly what's coming, and when it does, you are completely unfulfilled with with whatever twist or whatever sort of revelation there's been. I did like, and this is the only real saving grace. And even you could argue this is is, is really poorly done. But the whole war, sort of the war versus peace, I liked that. I think it probably goes throughout the whole of the X Men. But there was very much this two characters saying, you know, what I think we our, our power should be used for good, and it should be used for helping people. And others said, in a, in a strange way, we need to protect people and by it's sort of the to bring back to another football metaphor you know the best form of defence is attack kind of mm, thing Yeah. so I, I liked that they they didn't hit it as much as I would have liked them to have done I think that that could have been really easy to re- really channel that a little bit like Eye in the Sky did around the morals and the, the ambiguity around what you should do in situations like that but I liked elements of it um, so I just because it's it's not one of the worst ones I've ever seen I've got to give it to I think one is, I mean, Idiocracy was one. because I enjoyed was... Idiocracy far more than that. Really? Okay. At least, that, at least had, the, that had the decency yeah. to be done in yeah, 80 or 88 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> oh. Moving on to film two. Yeah, Chronicle. Yeah, Chronicle. 2012, Josh <laughs> Trank in his uh, directorial debut. 
is a it is an indie film. It had a, a slightly bigger budget than I thought. I think it's twelve million in the end. But yeah, it's a sort of it's a a found footage sci-fi indie film about three three blokes who at a at a party take a little look down a down a strange hole. They can hear hear a rumbling, and they encounter something not of this earth. And as a result, they all they all get powers, and it's basically how all three of them kind of deal with that with one of them sort of getting slightly more accentuated powers and it's just how they can all sort of how they get on dealing with that power and responsibility did any of you like this film i i yeah i really like this film i think uh this is the second time around i watched it because i'd watched it probably you know six months to a year after it first came out so i wasn't I was aware of it when it came out, but again, as you said, there it was a you know relatively independent film, so it didn't get as as wide a release as no. you'd perhaps you would prefer this film to get that X Men does get. For yeah, example. but I like about it, when you think about the the powers, these newfound powers. What I what I couldn't help but feel was that's how I would react. It was this idea of they're just exploring their new powers, but they're young, they're naive, they're immature, and therefore they're exploring them out of fun rather than out of fear or without anything that's more untoward than that until it then obviously turns a little bit more sinister and they they quickly realise just how powerful they can be and all of a sudden it takes you down a a road which of of escalation really where one thing begets another and and it just sort of gets gradually sort of more and more sinister and and, but I liked that it it did that Um, but I just liked the jovial way that they explored their new powers it was it was fun it was it was good to see that through their friendship as well as you understood their friendship via their new powers and the interactions that they had. I think that's that's what makes this film, that's what stands it apart, is that they did spend a good half an hour of them just joking around, sort of testing the water, and that did build up this uh, this uh, affinity, because they were relatively, there was uh, certainly, uh, the Michael B. Jordan character sort of didn't really know the other two quite as well. The they're they're cousins, cousins, aren't they? So yeah. they knew each other quite well, but they still seemed a bit estranged. And it was that that did build this chemistry which then makes the events in the final act count for a lot more and it actually did then give it a bit of a a bit of a punch and yeah some of those playful scenes did were were very well done I thought it has the perfect balance for me between your sort of your exposition about where they come from and why they're here the lead up to them getting the powers and then how they utilise them but then also during utilising them how it affects their day to day life not just destroying buildings and (laughs) <laughs> uh, saving people's lives in contrast to X-Men I felt like the script is very very well thought out it's airtight isn't it it's, very, it's, it's only 80, 80 minutes isn't that right or is it is it 90 yeah, I th- think it might only be 80 it's, I think it's, <clears throat> or it's just, just just less than 90 I think it's 87 or something yeah, but there's quite a lot of foreshadowing which I picked up on the second time of watching it's just very meticulous meticulous is that a correct word yeah mm-hmm. um, it's it just feels like a lot of love's gone into this. You can tell it's a first film because I think Max Landis, who wrote it, who is now sort of starting to make quite a name of, him, uh, of himself, did very well. And then obviously Josh Trank, the director, then was picked to do sort of Fantastic Four. And I yeah, think this this calling card, yeah, got him on his to direct his second film to be a huge, whatever, hundred-odd million budget superior film. Max has gone on to get way more of his scripts options. So it certainly, yeah, did achieve... It probably launched two of the stars anyway the third guy yeah I haven't seen him I haven't since. seen him in anything else but Michael B. Jordan is, is bound to be you know one of the biggest actors there are there is going to be over the next sort of five to ten years and then Dane, Dane DeHine less so because he's not the generic attractive guy that 
would typically lead films. But he's been in a few th- few more things. I mean, Place Beyond the Pines was after this, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. I yeah. Think. So, uh, so that I suppose took him to a new level. Um, but it, it does feel like even down to the casting has been chosen well. Bearing in mind that their actual performances are superb, mm. they've just they've been hand selected, and whoever picked them knew that. <laughs> Uh, Michael B was going to be amazing as this charismatic, very popular. It just oozes it, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Every time he smiles, yeah. you smile, kind of thing. Yeah. And then Dehan, this angry introvert, just inherently geeky looking. Exactly. Guy, sort of outcast looking. He's brooding. Guy. There is something going on in there, isn't there? Mm. There's a couple of scenes that I know you've already touched upon, but for for what is presumably a relatively cheap independent film to make, there are some really good effects and some really good just construction of scenes I'm thinking the there's a I think it's in the trailer anyway but there's a, a you know um, they sort of push a truck off the road mm. using yeah. their new power and and then you sort of have this shot of it sinking in and sort of a little bit wider out and you sort of just see it's, it's raining as well I think it just it looks fantastic and then you have the aeroplane scene as well which is quite cool which mm-hmm. yeah. when, they're, when they're sort of up in the air and floating and then the aeroplane comes and it it's it's not necessarily that scene itself it's then them falling back down to earth there's a real naturalistic, you know, you've got the little drops on the camera and then you've got the shaking and the real wind <laughs> as they're falling at real speed. Mm. You, you realise the dangers of fly. I mean, of course it's not real, but you realise the dangers of, yeah. these people are really high up and if they were to fall, mm. it's, it's... I've never seen that touch on the fact they're wearing coats and gloves because yeah. they're so high up. That, <laughs> yeah. It's the little touches, yeah. isn't it? But there's that's, that's one of the flaws that I think inevitably these films always bring up is the consistency of the power as well. Because there are there are some consequences of their actions, which I always which they're unable to rectify, they're unable to undo, and I always think, but by by using your superpower to do something, then surely your superpower superpower can then be used to sort of redo it, not redo it, but not undo it, but rectify whatever it is. So, for example, there's a bit where so that that exact thing with a truck where they push it off the road and into mm. the water. Well. Up until then, it seemed to be that they would easily just be able to pick that truck out of the water and put it back on the road. But for dramatic circumstance, they don't, or, or, or it's not shown that they do because it's more around, crikey, we're really powerful, you've almost just jeopardised this person's life, what can we do? And it, and it was a necessary scene, necessary scene for, us to sh- for them to show us that. But I couldn't help but feel that there's a couple of moments there where you think, well, surely you could just use your powers again to get out of the trouble that you've I, just ended I, up in. I know I know what you're getting at, but I sort of think, like, it's like oh, they, that's at the sort of the infant stage where they're still trying to learn how to harness it they're probably having seen that that car going off they were like let's not gamble this let's call because he was able to uh, Michael B. Jordan again obviously very athletic he was able to get in there and sort of get the once they knew the person was alive and almost as well they knew the police was going to be called if they had uh, this is just me again trying to justify it but if you Mm. pull the thing out and they just look at it and go why is half of it that half that engine has been in the lake how is it not in the lake we need an explanation, or I don't, I, I, I see what you're getting at, but I don't think for me it's not like a, it's, I was, I, that wasn't a question that I asked myself. No, and but, when, I'm I, being pedantic, but only because it's because I enjoyed it so much that you try and pick holes. Yeah, from, you try, you yeah. try and pick holes. If this was an X Men, the amount of times that sort of stuff would happen in X Men, but you don't pick it up because there are much larger flaws. Yeah, absolutely. Going throughout it, so it's it's almost a compliment by me picking out the smallest little bits because then there's also, I suppose for me, towards the end. What I love about this sort of film is that because it's independent, it doesn't necessarily do the things that some of the other sort of franchise bigger it, versions. It does get quite dark. Well, yeah, and at it's, the end, I it's think not prepared to shy away from. But at the end, it does descend into sort of smashing stuff up, which is what maybe it needed to because it needed to work towards that crescendo. 
Um, but I liked that before that it was much more nuanced than that. It was there was much more intricate things that were happening. And then at the end, it was a bit of this big grand sort of grandstand finale, which felt which as maybe what, it needed to be up until that last sort of fifteen twenty. It was like probably spent one million, one and a half million, and mm. then it got to the final, yeah. and they were like, right, we've we've got all this money. We've still guys. got all this money. Let's though, just yeah. let's just write this in, and and it it works for it mm. certainly. But yeah, I mean, I think it was made quite clear early on. That not only is Dane Dehan's character tormented and you know on the verge of turning evil, but he is also the most powerful. Even when they're sat around with the Lego yeah. set, and he's able to individually place the Lego bricks back together. So I think it kind of touches on your point that you said earlier. These buildings that are collapsing around them, they they can't fix them. That you know Michael B. Jordan tries to move the car in the car park, and it causes him to have a fit. Yeah. Hmm. They can't, you know, lift it out of water because <laughs> they're just they're not able to. And Dane Dehan doesn't really want to, so it kind of builds up to this, like you say, the crescendo. And I, I just think it's a flawless ending. It's, it's. Okay. I, I almost didn't did not expect. I, I knew something was going to happen, but not in the way that it does transpire. It's, and, yeah, it's really unpredictable good. for me. I mean, did not see it going that way. I did not see. And for so long, and it just yeah, it's relentless, and it just you're you're. Yeah, yeah. Back to my previous point, without r- repeating too much. But yeah, it's just it leads you to believe. Oh, this is a little jolly. Found footage is renowned for being make these horror films for two million pounds, and then all of a sudden they go crazy and you think, oh, it's gonna. Oh my goodness, they have they've saved the kick, kick for the end, and more so than any other superhero film or anything to do with powers. More so than Spider Man, especially with great power comes great responsibility. Was just whirring through my head like this is. That is that ethos, but just done without a leotard and without patronising. And the fact they did have these sort of this teen high school element that we've all found so familiar in, in some of our favourite coming of age and really enjoyable teen films. They've got that, but with this element, I, th- I think you just go, how how's this not done before? It sounds so so easy. And but I, I think the whole with great power uh, comes great responsibility. You you see you see how their actions have an effect on other people yeah. as in X-Men buildings are blowing up bridges are falling and no, no one weight. says anything no about it there, similar it? to Jurassic Park you know Jurassic World sorry yeah. people are dying left right and centre but it's yeah. okay the main characters are fine Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chronicle if anyone's being offed they are very aware of it yeah use it don't abuse it Yes, the power that they have. You think it's quite, it's quite. In a way, you could argue, you know, it's sort of that coming of age film where this guy is down and out. He's probably well. Actually, you, you sort of see footage of him, you know, being bullied, and he's a bit of an outcast, and people don't respect him. And he probably has pent up a lot of anger over the years, and all of a sudden, he has literally the power to completely right all the wrongs, or at least get retribution for all of the hurt that people have caused him over the past few years and, and obviously throughout his school and, and as a result of that, that superiority that he's suddenly got over everyone else he, he abuses rather than using it constructively where despite the request of his cousin who is a far more controlled, albeit a level, less powerful level headed. but much more level headed mm. you think, yeah you think he, he not, you would expect him to, you know he's been treated so badly but you think you learn your lesson you sort of, you, you're always told as a kid don't punch him back, rise above it and it's kind of, he could have could have all ended so well, and, it, and it, things do start to, as all films do, the equilibrium. You know, it, they get him to a, the happiest he actually sees the happiest he's ever been. Yeah. Before you know things, hubris begin to, is is the word he uses, hubris, hubris. No. Mm. And it goes, yeah, it goes so well. And then one more, oh he's just, and he's just one step away from just crossing that line. Um, and something kind of to do with the film, but not. But then, 
the comparison between this and X-Men with how the director then was brought onto Fantastic Four, made the film he wanted, the studio then chopped it up, re redid it, and then I think that was one of the least uh, financially successful it was an bomb, films of all it? time. And Josh Trank had a bit of a meltdown on Twitter, didn't he? I think Literally he, um, nothing. He, uh, he bemoaned and, and slated sort of the studio for getting involved. And the issue is now Josh Trank will probably be on the the blacklist as a, as a director with any of the big studios because they'll know that he can't he can't play to the rules he can't toe yeah. the party line and all of a sudden will He's, that be a good thing is he going to have to go back to making indie films like I, this one I did hear he was offered one of the Star Wars was spin-offs which ah. he then declined because of this experience and said he is going to go and do something far smaller nice. and hopefully we'll get something it'd be interesting to see what he does next but mm. yeah just hope that these the X-Men you know this superhero generation that doesn't destroy this this wonderful young talent <laughs> such a promising young lad yeah not really not really not so much a point but it is it is one of sort of a bunch of films in the turn of the decade these lo-fi sci-fi uh, American films like it's from your primer I think was one of the big ones that kicked it off mm. Another Earth uh, Eye Origins um Upstream colour. There's quite a lot of these really good sort of. Her is a lo-fi sort of science fiction film, and yeah, this fits right in up against up, up there with the best, I think. Um, yeah, I just have to give it four because it does what it does well. Uh, it does something quite refreshing, and yeah, you know, I, I don't know. You always think, oh, what could it have done? I don't know what it could have done for a five, but it is missing a, some real inspired sort of magic but yeah no, I think for what it the parameters it set itself and what it tried to achieve it certainly did that so it's a it's a very solid solid four from me it's a good point that you made there actually because I, I, for me it's a four and it will stay a four but I, I know I picked out a couple of faults there but they're not they're not really faults they're just little nicks little sort of pedantic bits from me and I can't think of much more it could have done to get a five to the point where are there only certain films that can break that ceiling of of the gap between a four and a five, do they have, are there certain qualities or certain competencies of a film that, that they have to sort of tick to to get into the upper echelons of a five? Because I can't think of much more Chronicle could have done to get a five, but I, think, I still think it's a four. I think it's ambition. I don't because uh, not setting itself, but you know, just under ninety minutes. You know, the way it sets found footage. I if you're going to go for sort of to be a five, I think it's got to bring something a bit another element something else just a bit more that we're not who are we to say you know they need to sort of conceptualise it themselves but yeah. something there isn't there, that extra moment of magic that extra t a stroke of genius it played around the line very very well and it was innovative in parts but there was nothing that really sort of kicked the door down and goes I am one of the best films of the year but I think it's flawless I think it's a five star film wow I, okay. ge I, I genuinely can't fault it James's choice. Correct. So, uh, The Crow, uh, which was uh, a film I hadn't heard of before, to be honest, until we started, until we had a theme for, for the, a couple of weeks ago and, and we're thinking about what sort of films we could go for. And I think the superhero genre, the, sh the super superpower genre has, I think, really taken off at the turn of the century with technology and with the amount of special effects that can, that that is a, certainly a, a, an ally of, of of the superhero genre. There are a few examples before the millennium, of which The Crow is one. So The Crow, <laughs> starring Brandon Lee, he and his wife are killed in circumstances that aren't quite clear, but you get the idea that it's some sort of sinister sort of murder of the both of them. 
Um, and then with no real explanation, he comes back ripped. He comes back <laughs> an absolute stud, puts some makeup on, follows a crow around, uh, and then basically seeks some revenge on some bad, bad dudes. Unsurprisingly, the the dudes... I mean, they're bad. I mean, they eat cigarettes. I mean, these guys are <laughs> these guys are serious <laughs> bad. Proper you know? bad. Yeah. He, he seeks revenge on them, who unsurprisingly were those who, uh, who, who delivered the... Uh, the, the fatal in more ways than one which we'll come on to I'm sure um, <laughs> demise of, of both Brandon Lee's character and um, and his wife's character as well Shelley I think her name was I think mm-hmm. her character name was God rest her uh, yeah he, he, his name's Eric Draven but um, so that's pretty much it in terms of a synopsis of, of, of this film thoughts before we before I go off on one I really really like this film it's got that I didn't realise until today because I saw this sort of for the first time quite a few years ago and it is the same director as films like Dark City and the director has done this sort of very again I do overuse it but it's this gritty this neo-noir 90s it rains it pours the bad guys are eating cigarettes people are getting I believe there's a one point yeah I think he's shot and stabbed and pushed out a window like stuff goes down and it's a world of sleaze and pawn shops and where kids are raised by heroin addicts and of course she's going out with one of the crooks and it's all this is there is real grit here and I think this film more so than anything achieves a a sort of a Halloween a texture and a sort of a a mood that from the films that I have seen I haven't seen all of them but this is what every Batman film ever can only dream can only dream of getting this sort of this quality like this is Gotham Essentially, oh. is it is it is it Detroit? I think it is. Think it is Detroit, but it's obviously this very sort of mechanical, and you know, it's barren, and there is no hope, and it's so. It's and yeah, it's it's where it, it's a bleak world where revenge is the only light. That's all these this this guy has to has to go for. What exactly what I wanted to say was it's it has that Gotham feel, and it and it's <laughs> so similar to Batman. I mean, I don't know if it was inspired by Batman or Batman. Um, well, so some of the, the latter sorry it's a comic book series in its own right isn't it yeah so it's, it's adapted from a it's either a comic book or a graphic novel I'm not quite sure mm. but it feels so similar to Batman I mean even some of the plot points as well I mean there's one cop that he seems to always sort of liaise with which is a bit like Commissioner Gordon in Batman's mm. you've got um, the fact that he I suppose at the end of the day he's a vigilante one way or another mm-hmm. he's sort of uh, a vigilante and then also every now and then he just disappears as well you know it's that classic it's always the this comedic edge to these sorts of films where someone's talking to him and they turn their back and they, they turn around <laughs> oh he's gone he's gone and it's like oh where's he gone and it, it happens every single time because the camera sort of pans away with the person looking the other way <laughs> and they come back it's like oh damn nabbit he's disappeared again not again yeah and he can turn in not a bat but he turns into a crow yeah you know he which, flips between the two which is a bit weird in my opinion, it, that that's the some of the bits that that, lo- that 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 lost me, and I know I've been through this time and time again when we've done these reviews. Of <laughs> the fantasy elements have uh, sort of escaped me a little bit. Really, did you guys get on board with the uh, the emotional level here? I did, and I didn't. I I think I did with with him. Yeah, it is a wonderful performance. I mean, yeah, not because of his his death in mid towards the very end, three days before the end of the shooting. But I think it is a I think it is a fantastic performance. It is really good, and I suppose that's the sad element. Well, obviously, it's it's always going to be sad. But I think that the it was a sign of what could have what could have been. I suppose it could have launched a career, and, and I suppose everyone has posthumously predicted 
that he would have gone on to be, you know, a, a real star, not just because of who his dad was, but just because he of this performance was um, was um, showed sort of a lot of a lot of promise. But um, I did, in terms of your original question, in terms of did you get on board with all the emotional element yeah. of this? I think I did with him. I think there is obviously the story of this little girl who, if, to me, it felt a little bit bolted on. I, I think on a skateboard. On a skateboard, yeah. I didn't quite. It did add another element to it, and it, I suppose it was almost the daughter that they didn't have. Yeah, because um, she was she was friends with them before. Yeah, prior absolutely. To the yeah. Death, yeah. So it did, maybe it was it was for that continuity. It was a case of making sure there was enough ties in the film that when he came back to life, he had reference points that he could go back to and say, "Well, I knew you back in that time." And and so it was sort of maybe providing a little bit of exposition. But the thing I did like, we talk about X Men, how for all the characters in there, there was hardly any wit to it whatsoever whereas in this I quite liked he Brandon Lee in general had a bit of wit with every sort of character that he came across but the main bad guy he had a bit of the guy from Prince of Thieves um, he had a he, he had a few quite funny one liners and then also the cop as well Brandon Lee's character so Eric's uh, and uh, and the cop as well they had quite a nice back and forth and some witty moments there uh, almost a bit of like a body, buddy cop drama in the end mm-hmm. um, so that was that was impressive considering just how dark this film is um, yes, in tone, but just—I mean—it's all set at night. It's, you know, it's just pure, pure darkness, and everything about it is really, really dark. So I think it's—it's um, it's nice that they had that that sort of elements of light in there. There's just a few things in here that are just a bit weird for me. I, th- I think, I mean, I know he so he used to be a rock star, obviously, and there was this sort of consistent soundtrack throughout it a couple of times he has a guitar and just starts playing it just yeah, randomly just on the roof yeah which or is again it's like coming, coming in yeah. <laughs> literally he comes in storms in on two I think they're making out or they're, they're, they're mm. shooting up comes in with his guitar and it's like and that's enough to change her though that's enough to make her see the wrong <laughs> of, her, of all of her ways so that yeah that was a little bit see, bizarre see that is that that is why this film is considered a cult film for me like I think that is all tongue in cheek like, if you were to ask the majority, I mean, we spoke to a friend today who went through a, an emo or a gothic phase in their teens, Nightmare Before Christmas and The Crow. I just, the staples of this, you've got to wear black and you've got to listen to uh, Nine Inch Nails. And I see, I, th- I found that all absolutely hilarious. The makeup. And the, the, I, I, and the makeup and the, oh, they're going to get married on Halloween. Oh, it's just too perfect. It's just, I think it's playful. And I think that's really, really, really just, just good fun. I think I got the complete opposite end of the stick to you I think it felt very deliberate and felt like it was trying to take itself very seriously and for that reason for me it it was so so dull it was so mediocre I I wasn't blown away by his performance like you guys were either I thought he was good I I just it was a film where I sat down and it just kind of happened all in front of me (laughs) with no emotional investment at all no incentive to get to the end of it it was a struggle just didn't care. You weren't on board. Yeah. I don't know if, because I think I did first watch this while going through that phase when I was about 15 and my friend who was obsessed and with Nine Inch Nails and all that at the time and there's a Joy Division cover on there which we must mm. say is absolutely fantastic. Um, and I think, yeah, I just got on board with that whole, oh, this is trying to be this cool gothic, this is setting the template of how we should dress and this sort of, this is what's cool for us at this in this stage in our teen lives. And I think I just got on, because I was, there, whereas I think if, like yourself, I was to watch it for the first time now, 
I, pro- I probably would be that much more dubious and be a bit more like, is this just trying to ride off that kind of mm. image as opposed to any real quality? It's semi-serious. It's a semi-serious revenge film because the revenge is serious and you see these people get violently and the, the set pieces, you know, when he's having these one-on-one... It's like it is just a classic revenge, like an exploitation film. They go, oh, I've got to do this. I'm going to work through one by one. Of course, they'll all yeah. be doing something else. I'll find them. I'll get into a, a, a well, exactly. I'll get into an incident with them, and then I'll, I'll take them out. That's Tarantino's homage to the exploitation. The yeah. sort of, I mean, there, his wife is sort of is raped at the start, and that's very much what a lot of those films of that era. That it's all about a woman being attacked wronged and then she then goes on the rampage and works her yeah. way through them and it's it's just that but just just with a killer crow and when the co- the crow pecks someone's eyes out it's just fantastic brutal <laughs> it's savage it's yeah. absolutely savage there's a really cool church scene at the end now inevitably in this sort of film it ends up at a church oh, I mean it has in to the church and the rafters take it to the rafters <laughs> you just knew sword fight you just, <laughs> yeah. you just knew it was, it was going to be coming up but it was actually really cool there was a really there's a really um, like a bird's eye just realised why I probably did that. <laughs> a crow's eye. Um, yeah, yeah, a crow's eye. When they're, he, towards the end, you know, he's fighting with one particular injury on the top of a roof, basically. And there is this really cool bird's eye view um, of it, which you don't really see much anymore. I mean, I haven't seen many sort of scenes where they've actually been that ambitious, where they've actually had, you know, two people fighting on top of a church, very thin sort of platforms that um, it's it's shooting, which is really which is really quite cool. And you talk about the revenge, you know, it's quite cathartic in a way because it's a sort of revenge that we as humans shouldn't be doing and, and we don't. But by watching it on screen, it's sort of cathartic because you see someone getting revenge for something horrendous that's clearly happened to him and you almost want him to get the revenge, even though in the sadistic and horrible ways that he does, you want him to get revenge because they've obviously done something terrible to him. And because it is so black and white, there's not... Like, he is so just justified, justifiable in everything he's doing. And they're so... And like you say, they build these... They are just archetypal bad guys. And if you can't... There's nothing. There's not a grey area. There's not a saving grace. They're bad guys. They need to go. Yeah. Well, they're going to carry on terrorising the city. And he's just been... He is the angel. He's been brought back from life. He is JC himself, the big dog, coming in, dressed as a crow, doing this stuff oh, yeah just got behind it yeah. they, are, they are a bit villain by numbers aren't they but <laughs> maybe that's part of the genre they have to be because then progressively he goes through them one by one by one yeah two stars from me couldn't, couldn't give it any more than that couldn't forgive it for all its shortcomings despite its production difficulties nothing about it that was enjoyable for me so can't go above a two I think for me it'll be a three I think I, I did there were some fantastic moments this film as I've said, I've got a few reservations. Um, for me, this is sort of bordering three on four, but I think I'd give it three after, because I still can't get past the fact that it's literally a crow, <laughs> and he's, he's literally living via a crow, and the fact that he came back to life again, that always annoys me as well. Um, so maybe I'm being a bit harsh on it, but yeah, a three for me. Yeah, I just think it's a thoroughly enjoyable, semi-serious revenge film. I think the emotional level does ring true for me, and I think it is sincere. And then it has got this this comic strip, violence and these set pieces that and in conjunction with the time of year the attire everything else that I think that's just being that's just so playful it's a lot of fun and it is the the Iron Maiden of superhero films for me there is an emotional level there for the fans they dig it but come on look at them these old dudes with ridiculously long hair and it is just trashy silly it is silly on the face of it but inside there is a heart and it does obviously connect with some people and yeah I think also from nostalgia factor I think I'd have to give it a, a solid four 
me as the new release um not a great deal to choose from again um, <laughs> we are in a bit of a lull at the moment clutching at straws here but i think also conscious of the fact that we've we've hit quite a few categories so far so it's quite nice to try and think of some new ones and i've seen a lot of column inches about uh the documentary notes on blindness which is no prizes for guessing uh about <laughs> blindness um so the theme would be impairment or, or disability so guys who was who's the post 2000 that's me this week go for it and uh, I'd say I had limited choice Diving Bell obviously was one yeah uh, oh Sessions that was it Sessions. oh I um, that film it's, it's, <laughs> but I, I don't think we'd have enough to talk about <laughs> but I'm gonna have to go for in, in touch of Blaise. <laughs> Ian, why, why are you Ian hasn't that? seen it yet and oh, is I'm very very against uh, it just, <laughs> after making you watch X-Men this week I do feel bad put me through the ring mate. no I mean I'm, I'm happy to watch it I mean just from the face of it it's gross it's it, it, it's racist on the face <laughs> on the face of it now and I'm saying this now before I've seen it so that when I totally agree with myself in two weeks it just looks like a film a foreign film for people who don't like foreign films and just to go oh I've watched the film with a black guy someone in a wheelchair and it had subtitles and it, yeah, now all of a sudden oh I'm an intellectual it just looks gross it looks like I might vomit from how how sentimental it is and I the poster the trailer everything flash nothing but warning signs but I am absolutely prepared to allow my icy heart to oh, melt. Oh, you sound it. incredibly open-minded. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Open-Minded in the corner here is very keen to give it a go. And for the classic choice, I've gone for a, a David Lynch film that I haven't seen and thought for that reason alone, it would instead of, oh, I always seem to pick something that I have seen and that I know I love. So I'm going to go for Lynch's Elephant Man. Oh, okay. And that's all from us. And that's all from him. I got oh. nothing. <laughs> <laughs>